But Bob's a smart bird, you know, to make that correlation, but dumb to have jumped to conclusions. <laughs> yeah, it's like, so now I've went and put a few little almonds in Buddha's lap. <laughs> so now Buddha gets lap dances. <laughs> yeah, I, I like it now. It looks like Bob's eating Buddha's nuts. Unapologetically hypeless and heartfelt, this is Kicking Back with James Shramko and Joel Osborne. We started recording. We're recording. Oh, this is the yeah, podcast. This is, like that's how oh, professional oh, oh, we are. All right, I thought yeah, it's like I thought this was like no, some no, we just tag, no, no, tag we just roll into it. it. We've uh, officially started recording. Wow. Okay. Now that we're published in iTunes yes, and Stitcher, we're official. Someone might actually find this and realise that we are. We don't know what we're doing. No, but you cannot accuse us of being hypey. No. <laughs> you can accuse us of being heartfelt. Heartfelt. Yep. Unprepared. <laughs> well, we, have, we do have my, like you do have to turn up. That's that's that, that is and that, that's true. And, and if you've I haven't already surf in when I turn up too, so that's I do. I have to, and I, you know, I just have to acknowledge that you have put in a huge effort each time to come over here and mm-hmm. kick back. Yes. So I've been doing more kicking back than you. Yes. But I think we'll flip flop that. Yeah. I can come. I can meet you halfway, or come to your joint. Sure, you can get the ferry into town. We can meet up in the botanical gardens. <laughs> yeah, we know? could admire heritage buildings. Exactly. So, what's new since last time? Well, we've got a website. Yes, that's we exciting. Do. We, we do. We recorded our first episodes kind of in the dark. We had no idea if what we were doing was crazy. We have actually, since we went published, we became the. 14th funniest comedy podcast in the Australian iTunes chart, so I haven't looked everywhere else. That was exciting. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's interesting, you know, but I was initially, as you know, I got a copy of them before they were published to listen to, and then I never ended up listening to them, and then I thought that's probably best. Because, yeah, well, just because, well, it's a lot less editing. It's a lot less effort, too, on my behalf, having to listen to it. <laughs> well, I but, listened but, to the first few episodes when, this, when the site went live. Okay. What were your thoughts? I, well, it didn't change anything. Yeah, all right. And I, th- I thought maybe the end of episode two sort of, it sort of uh, slowed down a bit. Right. But it, it was real. And well, I was a actually, long episode, too. It was. It was yeah. twice as long. And I was actually proud of what we'd achieved. So uh, we could go to the comments, actually, in iTunes. We always appreciate a five-star review. That's a five-star review because it lets us know that we're on track. But Jake said, I've listened to the first two episodes and love the laid-back vibe of the show. It's like I'm sitting around on the couch listening in on a conversation between friends. Keep it up, guys. Isn't that nice? That's nice of him. Do you want to read Barry's? I, I don't believe everything I read, though. But, well, you know, well, right, if, it's, well, if it's in well, my favour, I believe it. Yes. See, I've got a theory on reviews because I've received like many reviews for my live Of course you shows. would. You've had hundreds, <laughs> thousands? Hundreds <laughs> of thousands. Oh, come on. Do I hear millions? Please, please. Stop. <laughs> and, you know, I realised I've been lucky so far that I've had favourable reviews, but I know I'm going to get slammed at some point. Everybody does. And... And when you're down in Melbourne at the comedy festival, everyone reads everyone else's reviews. So there's a, there's a lot of anxiety around what sort of reviews. What do you mean, reading. everyone? Like the comedians? Like all the comedians. So the word spreads, you know. On do shows. they publish them on air? Yeah, yeah. They put them. Well, it's on the internet. It's in the newspaper. So it's all it's all there for people to access. And people put on their posters if they get good reviews. They put like they go over to their posters. Does anyone ever publish their bad reviews? Like, yeah, so some people have actually Monty Python when worst they, comedian ever. Yeah, yeah. Monty Python when they did um, the Life of Brian, 
all of, you know, <laughs> upright brigade and everyone came forth from uh, the Catholic Church and really, you know, really pulling out the knives and, and taking them down. And they they just put that as their big plug on, oh, really? on, on their so, post so saying, saying the most despicable, blasphemous film ever, <laughs> ever made. And they were, they were proud of it. It's like, like the yeah. ultimate judo move when yeah. someone throws the punch and you grab their shirt and pull them Use towards it. you yeah. and they topple over. Circular motion. Very clever. and uh, It is. And so in saying that, I have a theory with reviews that with good reviews aren't too good because they give you a big head and a big ego and you start thinking you're good and then you're ready for the, you know, when you have too much pride, ready for the fall. And if you get bad reviews, it takes the wind out of your sails and you feel like crap. So you, you know, just so, don't, you don't care. So it's probably, and I've got friends now who never read reviews, you know, and, they, and they're really successful comedians and they, yeah, they don't, they don't read reviews. But in saying that, let's read the next review. But then there's also this thing, you know, if you don't get a great review, are you going to change what you do to be the Justin Bieber? Or you're just going to do what you do to be the Bob Dylan. Like, yeah. you, you, could, yeah. you can still decide whether you react to that or not. And sometimes you can judge your performance by the, by the size of your enemy. Like the people who come out and slam you, quite often they're, they're saying something about themselves. You've agitated them. You've that's, gotten their face true. a bit that's and they, they feel compelled well, to take you down. Yeah, I agree with that. And I saw a review once. There was an exhibition of Tutankhamen. And someone in the Age newspaper in Melbourne reviewed Tutankhamen. Do you reckon he was reading it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's really rolling in his tomb, you know, (laughs) unraveling in his tomb over this review. And I'm thinking, come on, like, does this guy have a degree in archaeology? Is he really fit from, like, a reviewer from the Age to review, you know, thousands of year old antiquities? Oh, it's a bit old. We've seen it all before. (laughs) You know, come on. So we've got uh, Barry here. He said, a funny discussion format show. The hosts are funny, having a good time, and it's fun to listen in. Nice to see the less serious side of James from his other podcasts. And Mm. thank you, Barry. I actually have to go out of my way when I explain this podcast that uh, to explain to people it is in the comedy section. Mm -hmm. And then I have to let them know, don't worry. I'm not the funny guy. I've got the actual comedian. I'm the straight guy. I'm like the serious, dry guy that gives you all this fodder. I know you laugh at me. So you're like Dean Martin, I'm Jerry Lewis. Yeah, I'm like, do you mind if I just go for a quick surf when you get it? Sure, I could, you know, I probably gave you a whole season's worth of material. It was great watching (laughs) (laughs) I was like the the last part when you and Ezra were on that final wave coming in together and you're both just standing up and you're only about a metre and a half away just both looking at each other as you're just gliding along. Oh, it's good. I had this. That's a nice moment. And then then Ezra wanted to go back out, and you're like, no, no, it's done. I'm getting out. I could see, read the body language. Oh, yeah, I'm finished on a high. I'm finished on a high, definitely. Well, after the first one where his board flicked up, it flicked (laughs) me in the leg. And and then I I actually ended up sitting down on his board, and then he eventually pops up. I'm like, dude, that was a bit close. He goes, you snaked my wave. I'm like, hang on, I'm the local here. Hang on, I, I, I saw this, it was technically whitewater. It wasn't really a wave, that one. So I think you were within your rights to be. Uh, There's a, there is a certain one. etiquette, and uh, he doesn't know any of it. No, no. This is your turn. It's man. my patch. Yeah, come on, this weekender. Is, well, when I was surfing with him in Hawaii, we were near Pipeline in yeah, Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. And just where I surf here is like a sewerage pipe, a, a stormwater pipe. Then I call that pipeline. Right. So we both surf pipeline. Yeah. My pipeline's maybe less prestigious, yeah. but it's my pipeline. There's a few yeah. more hazards. <laughs> well, I went to pipeline. There was nothing. It was flat. 
And I was expecting because I knew I the history. I think it's really quite seasonal. It is, it is. And I went to Waimea Bay thinking, man, this is going to be incredible. I've been there twice in my life and both times it's just been just flat. Well, you know, the other thing about pipeline is the sand shifts around like all the time. So it's never really the same. So you always got to be on your toes. And I was watching pipeline last night, just as it turns out, on Red Bull. Red Bull TV have all this amazing stuff on iTunes, on the Apple TV. Right. So you can watch it for free if you have an Apple TV, which is where you can also get access to this podcast. All right, let's have a listen to Sue Ellen. She says, it's like eavesdropping on a funny conversation. And this is also five stars. So we've done well so far with the, the stars. Listening to this podcast is like eavesdropping on a couple of guys sitting around chewing the fat. I don't know, chewing fat. That's a funny expression. Laugh out loud, funny in places, great start, looking forward to seeing how it evolves. Well, thank you, Sue Ellen. I agree with that. I'm looking forward to seeing how it evolves too. And I'm looking forward to chewing on more fat. Fat. That's <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking okay. of five-star reviews, mm-hmm. last week, Springsteen. Oh, yeah? Five-star reviews yeah, all you, around. How was uh, your brother? He, he loved it. It was great. We had a great time. Did he cry? He didn't cry, but he was moved. Do you think it's all right for men to cry? Why not? Yeah, I I think it's cool. True strength is showing through vulnerability. Oh, that's good. There's a whole TED Talk series on vulnerability. I've heard it. I haven't seen this talk. I've heard it's good, though. No, there's a few. The same lady comes back and talks about what happened after she did the first one. Right. It's been shared around my community. But I've definitely made an effort to be more vulnerable. That's why I take on a brand new hobby. Tell everyone about it. And put myself up for uh, sure. scrutiny. Sure. Well, then that's with comedy too. Like the best comedians have a vulnerable side to them. You know, someone like Richard Pryor, like he was always, you know, he was vulnerable with what he, uh, the way that he approached his comedy. This is like my friend Sean, who's similar age to me. He's just decided to become a comedian. Right. Yeah, you mentioned that. And I, I mean, he's always been funny, even in corporate, but he used to use humor as a relief device to overcome the stressful environment Mm -hmm. and I enjoyed I always enjoyed talking with Sean he was very smart and clever and and humorous and we could laugh about the stupidity of what the manufacturer would send us or ask us to do and and now he's sort of stripped away all the bad crap and left the, the funny part and he's put himself out there he's performing in front of audiences and getting paid gigs and uh I'm really keen to see him evolve and I I think it'd be good for him to spend more time with you because you've got all that street experience, the the humour side of it. Yeah. And I think he's got great ability to construct jokes. It's just the delivery and the, the street knowledge that would be useful for him. Sure. But it's a, it's a numbers thing. The longer he does it, the the more, you know, comfortable with it. He but is. he's an optimizer. Which? Well, you see, the numbers thing is like that's the tried and tested thing where you know, you put a certain amount of effort into something and you get a certain amount of results. Let's say you're trying to apply for a job, which is kind of like getting a gig, I suppose. You might send 100 resumes and get three interviews and get one job. Right. But then the optimizer might figure out a way to send three resumes and get offered two jobs because mm-hmm. he's going to do it completely differently than everyone else. Right. You know, like that old marketing cliche where you send someone a shoe and you put the note inside it. And you just say, hey, I just wanted to get a foot in the door. Mm. You know that? No, that I've one? never heard of that. Oh, do you that, like it? 
Well, well, it's different than like the A4 letter or the sorry, sure. the legal. Depends what if, if it's a Jordan Four. Yeah, yeah. Sending me, I was like, send the other shoe and <laughs> yeah, I'll think send about the it. Other, and hopefully it's the right size. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't smell too yeah. much, like pre-worn. Yeah, yeah <laughs> if it's the right if it's the right shoe, depending on what shoe it is too, you know. So, I was at so, the checkout the other day. Yes. And the thought occurred to me that I was watching the person in front of me at the... By the way, I don't like those automated... They absolutely suck, the ones we have to check oh, yourself you out. Yourself. You always got to ask for assistance oh, they, anyway. The thing doesn't register. And, and it seems to place the sense item. when you put something in it your does, bag. What if you don't want to take the bag? It weighs it. You've got to tell it whether you've got your own bag or not, if it can't sense the thing or it rolls half out the side. It, they're stupid and it's like there's no jobs because this robot is supposed to... Anyway, I wait for the checkout, mm. but I watch what the person in front of me is ordering. I can't help but form judgments about them. I, I look what, at what their items. Yeah, are. I look at their items and I look at them and I think, is this a healthy person? Uh, mm-hmm. Is this a poor diet person? Are they manipulated by marketing? Are they going the no brand? Are they going the big brands? Are they? Is it all salt, sugar, fat? Are they vegan? Are they like a? You know, it's, so it's, it's fascinating. Like they say you can find out about someone by going through their rubbish. Yeah, find out about it going through their shopping cart. Absolutely. Do you do what, that? What did, what did you find about this person that was in front of you? Nothing very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw all these like. <laughs> what did you? What, what, what did it reveal no, no. about him? No, not much really. I just thought it was an interesting. Uh, no, uh, do you, you like how I do no, that? I, yeah, I, I, was, yeah, I just like. Uh, you thought I was going yeah, to set you up for an this. amazing. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you can't rely on me to do that just yeah. yet. I'm just simply not that funny. But they did have like lentils and almonds and fresh food and I looked across and they were kind of wearing hippie Sandals. beads. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, no, I get no, it. Yeah, and you were just like, let me just put some deodorant yeah, in I'll there. follow them out you. to their electric car. And, yeah, you know, yeah. Then sometimes I see people making terrible choices and I, I feel for them. They're mm. putting their body through such pain. So anyway, that's my little story for the day. What about you? Well, I got to touch and put my arm around Bruce Springsteen. Did you? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like not a photographic cutout. No, no. Like an actual, actual Bruce Springsteen. The Springsteen. He was right in front of me. We were front row. And you touched him. For, yeah, we were, we were in the <laughs> section behind the... Uh, I never thought I'd be one of those people, right? <laughs> I I, I, but Did he, you throw your underpants at him? Uh, no, no. Good. No, no, <laughs> Did anyone else? Not that I saw. But <laughs> no, he was there. He was right in front of me and my heart started beating fast. And I, I'm, I'm usually just nonchalant with all that kind of stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah. But if it's someone that I admire and someone that I'm like, wow, this guy, like I respect that or person that I respect, I was like, wow. And I just found myself leaning forward and putting my, <laughs> putting my arm around him. <laughs> and did he, did he resist? He, no, not at all. Did he say, no, hey, Eric? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get away from me, Eric Banner. <laughs> no, he was fine. And he was very sweaty, but he was... Uh, <laughs> But was, you were over, able to overlook that. I was able, able to. It was the boss, you know. You got to, you got to do that. And I, yeah. And I thought, wow, it was, um, yeah. I, I just thought it was quite an experience. And uh, another friend of mine said, wow, it was like touching God. And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. What do you? Th- what would you say to Bruce if he's listening to this podcast? Because he, no doubt, he's. Well, for Bruce, I got a lot of respect for this guy. Yeah. He's turning sixty-five. Like he might have already found it because it was the title of one of our episodes. It was. You know, if he has a, a savvy media representative, they probably got some kind of alert. Yeah. He's ch- checking out what people say. There's a chance Bruce is listening to this right now. Right now. What's your message for I Bruce? I love you, Bruce. No. <laughs> I, I'm really inspired by watching someone like that work. He's 65. He's turning 65 this year. And he gives it everything. It's non- nonstop. 
You know, like he he just delivers this show that is like even if you weren't a Springsteen fan and you went and saw him perform live, like there's no way that you could not get caught up and enjoy it and just be blown away by how incredible this guy is. They're working twenty thousand people like that, and he's like he's doing great old '80s moves where like he gets up in front of the crowd, he walks all the way through the crowd, gets up in front of the standing room part points to the stage and just launches himself into the audience. Wow. And they're all like, he's crowd surfing. Does he do crowd. anything like float around like a fairy on girders, like in Justin Bieber's? No, no, no girders. No, no this, and that, the great thing about it is it's straight up, you know, great funk rock band, the E Street band behind him with, you know, Steve, you've, have you watched The Sopranos? Sylvia? You, you know a lot more about this stuff than I do. I'm not going to okay. pretend to be an expert in okay. it. Okay. So the answer is no. Oh, well, Stevie Van Sant, you know, he's, no. you know, he was with him. Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. Well, yeah. I know Rage but, Against the Machine. Yeah, well, the lead guitar. Killing in that. the Name of. Yes. It's a fantastic song. Yeah. Played it at my wedding. Oh, you did? Yeah. <laughs> not, not walking down the aisles. <laughs> no, like just uh, like all the, the, the crew getting geared up in the okay, black tie. Okay, nice, nice. Just yeah. getting the mood. <laughs> get into that rage. <laughs> Find that inner rage. But it was, and yeah, his concert is. But, oh, it's there five, you go. It's five, it's five o'clock, o'clock the, folks. The, con- the concert just blew, yeah, just blew me away. I thought back and I thought, wow, it was an interesting thing to look back on my reaction to that situation of just being so, you know, caught up in the moment when seeing him. And it reminded me of a few other times in my life, but it's kind of with, I don't know, if it's someone that means something to me, just if they're famous or they're like well-known, it doesn't really, I'm blasé about it, but if it's someone that has influenced me or I respect, then I I know what that feels like. I've become a bit... Well, a I, had bit a, I had a few examples of that when I was... Working with Mercedes Benz, yeah. I was the person they sent to deal with the famous people. You got to see Russell Crowe, Russell Crowe, Rusty, <laughs> and oh, he's a singer too. Yeah, he is. Was it something foot of grunt or yeah? yeah. Move on. He suggested we give him a car because mm-hmm. he's a gladiator. He said that to you. Yeah. You Straight should be giving me this car. Like, yeah, that's or? what I was thinking. Is this, is this serious? Is this the humour? Maybe so, he's got a dry uh, sense of humour. Maybe. Yeah. And But I also dealt with some other cool people like billionaires and ex-prime ministers and mm-hmm. sporting champions. And it was really interesting. Some I respected, some I didn't, especially when you get to know them. Mm. But the best ones are just really normal, like Yeah, super normal. Yeah. Once you get past all the cr- crap, the, the fluff of the – entourage and blah, blah, blah. They're just normal people and they, they're kind of like always under attack. Imagine how they'd be with it, like at the highest level when they get those reviews and stuff. Sure. Like, the, like Diana. Yeah. She would just say yeah, out of control like pressure. Yeah, but a whole nother, yeah. She's probably the most famous woman in the world at some point. Yeah, sure. Well, Bill Murray had an interesting comment. He said, when you become famous, you're allowed to be an asshole for two years and then you've got to figure yourself out. Right. You know, you've got that two-year buffer zone. That's like in um, business management. You have a very short window to do whatever you need to do when you first get hired. Mm-hmm. After that, though, you, you're out. You can't change later. Right. You've got to set the tone early. Right. So you've got – I can't remember the, how long it is, but the first month or whatever, you want to make every change you could possibly make while you're in that green for go, you know, you've been hired to do the job zone. Yeah. Later, though, it's very hard. Right. So it's a good life maxim. Yeah, set set the tone the way you wish to continue. Mm. The, uh, the other person I met, yes, John Pilger, means nothing to me. <laughs> the journalist, <laughs> no offense, John. He, he was uh, he was four times journalist of the year. He's a uh, yes. Yeah, how how nerdy am I? I get, but I, no, I, no, this I get, is I get why we have. But journalist. this is why we have 
a show like this because we have a clash of two individuals yes. who have some overlap. Yeah, yeah. Like we have one mutual friend, Minimalist mm-hmm. Michael, mm-hmm. and uh, that's about it. Yes. We both like shoes. Yes. But you know a lot but, but, more about but shoes. But the first time when we By the way, it. when I saw you today, yeah. I saw your shoes first. Really? Yeah. Wow. And then that's I walked up to you and I laid some comedy on you. Well, there are theories that the outfit starts from the shoes up. Well, that's like, really? you know, the old feet of clay, the statue. Do you know that one? No. That had like a gold head and like a silver torso and a bronze legs and then feet of clay. Right. And the sun came out and melts the clay and the whole thing falls over. So it's about uh, making sure you look at every part of it. Mm. And most men, and in, particularly if you go to an airport, somewhere like LAX, mm-hmm. if you look around, most men have disastrously horrid, cheap-ass shoes like crappy Walmart shoes. They might have a reasonable suit and a nice tie or, or fancy glasses or a good pen or, a, or some kind of nice watch, mm-hmm. but you look down to the shoes and it just all falls to pieces, feet of clay. Yeah. So, yeah. And when you-, you know, you've got the shoes covered. But I saw your shoes first. And then I thought, oh, who is this Eric Banner lookalike on the, the bench? <laughs> and then I walked up to you and I said, hey, is he out there somewhere? Can you spotted him yet? And you had your board. Had my board. You were ready to go and I was ready to roll. Tear it up. Tear it up. <laughs> <laughs> my half foot swell. Yes. <laughs> well, see, that that's, it was commendable because you were up there and you were riding and it was a small surf today. But yeah, you were able fir- to steal first time on that yeah, board. On that board, yeah. Yep. And you're, you're going to be uh, purchasing a board, which we may cover later on. We might, well, we're in the later on part of this show. We are. Here's, now, here's the final. Um, I'm sure there's something. Can, should we go back to the journalist? He might be grossly John, uh, John, offended. John Pilger. He wrote a great book that I read when I left school called A Secret Country, and it's about the history of Australia that you're not really taught in school. And when I finished that book, I thought, why wasn't this part of the curriculum? You know, why didn't we not? This should, you know, this should be on every school. What was the big takeaway from that? Well, just showing a part of Australian history that wasn't really covered from the, the Aboriginal history and the, you know, the horrific truth of what, what, what happened there, which was still happening and, you know, is still happening. This was back yeah. in the 90s when I read the book and I'm sure you could do an updated edition of it to cover what's happened. Well, I was just then. watching the movie about Mandela. Right. It's just hardcore in every corner of the globe. Well, you know, this happens everywhere. It's yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. It, you know, we've one of our subcategories in iTunes, apart from comedy, which is mm-hmm. obviously our number one category. <laughs> 14. Is, is, uh, <laughs> top 14. Is, I think we're in the society philosophy section. <laughs> well, it's mainly your fault. <laughs> <laughs> That's like an honorary doctorate for doing nothing. Haven't know? seen us pop up too high there. But. No, no. I, I think we're, we're just behind like Alain de Botton and We have some very serious competition, though, in the comedy. We've got the most famous radio station comedians. We've got TV personalities. Mm-hmm. We've got really globally famous people. Sure. And we're just sort of shoehorning our way. <laughs> we're just seeing what sticks. It's like we don't care. We're just having nah. fun. Well, that's, a, that's the whole philosophy of kicking back. If we did have all of that stuff, it wouldn't be, you know, what it is. 
wanted now, to, oh yeah, can we, we're a bit, are now we, the are final, we, the so final we're actually, segment, hang on, the final in, in we're in part. serious danger of closing out a topic here. I know, I know we are, well, believe me, I got, I got many more stories that we can continue can we, on and this. It might be just a little note to our listener, if you, if you were very keen to find out the ending of any of the many stories that we've never finished, please just post a comment on kickingback.com and remind us and we might get to the story. Now, continue on, sir. Yes. So this is when I was a kid. And I'm sure you will be able to draw some meaning out of this, uh, this scenario. When I was a kid, the first concert I ever saw was Billy Joel. I was at the entertainment center. I'd never been to a concert before. It was in the 80s, the bridge tour. And I went along and I was blown away, you know, just not only by his performance and, you know, the concert and everything, but just by the fact all of these people coming together in such a large venue and just the feeling and the electricity in the in the room, you know, between everyone. And I, I was just, yeah, I was blown away by the whole night. So I was, I, I used to listen to all of his music and what have you. And then the, the next time he was out here on a tour, he was, um, he was uh, coming out as a Stormfront tour. And I was, what, like 11 at the time? And someone had told me the hotel that he was staying in. And, I, and so I started, I got my mum to pack me a lunch and I put it in my backpack. And I put it on my back and mum says, where are, you, where, where are you going? I said, I'm going into the city, I'm going to go meet Billy Joel. And she's like, all right, like, yeah, whatever. And so I get on the bus, I go into the city, I go down to the Park Hyatt. And walking along there, and it was Australia Day, actually, so all these people out in the grass area. A nice quiet day in Sydney. Yep. <laughs> I'm walking along and sure enough there's Billy Joel and Christy Brinkley and their daughter and I just walk straight up to Billy and I say hey Billy could I get your autograph please and he's like yeah sure so signed the autograph I got his autograph I thanked him and then I just went back got on the bus went home and mum's like yeah did you meet Billy Joel I'm like there we go and just gave the autograph I just thought when you're a kid you like you don't it, I would never think of doing something like that now. Like, but when you're a kid, it's like, of course, I'm going to go meet him. He's, I, I found out where he's staying. Someone told me that he's staying there. I'm just this 11-year-old with my packed lunch and backpack, and I just walk into the city, and there he is. You're right. I can totally relate to this because what you have to do in business and in, in selling is to let go of all the crap that people tell you. Like, don't talk to strangers. That's a great one if you're going to make sales for a living. Right? <laughs> <laughs> don't ask why. Stop asking questions. You know all these parental-issued advices that are going to kill your chance of success? You've got to strip them back to when you're a kid. When you're a kid, you're creative and imaginative. The guy down in the surf shop said to me, you are as excited as like a 10-year-old kid, Gromit, who's just discovered surfing for the first time. And I said, I have just discovered surfing. <laughs> so I'm this, in this adult phase of just letting go and being creative and more kid-like. I am. Yeah. I'm, here I am, God knows how, in a comedy show. Yeah. You know, like I'm just out there having fun and we should all – do something more kid-like from time to time. You know, maybe a fart joke here or there or whatever oh, never no. never fails. I saw Dave Chappelle last night. Who is... Oh, come on. <laughs> no, seriously. I like you, you, know, you can educate he, all of us uh, at Dave once. Dave Chappelle would have to have one of the best sketch comedy shows that have been made in the last, you know, 10 to 15 years. He made a, a series on called Chappelle Show. On, I'll lend you the DVDs. On, um, I can play on them now. Comedy Channel. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> he, there was the highest selling DVD series in the history of DVD sales when, right. when this was released on DVD. And great critical acclaim. You know, uh, Richard Pryor gave the show props. And it was, you know, a g- really great cutting commentary, like racial and social commentary in the show, but hilarious. 
Now, he was offered for the third season, it's reported he was offered $50 million, and he was on set once and for, while recording some uh, episodes for that. And just the kind of the way that the, the racial kind of undertow of some of the, the, the scene that he was, the, the response to that, he didn't gel with, he didn't appreciate, and then he just walked off set. And he said, that's it. And he went to Africa and walked away from $50 million deal with Comedy Central. It's, just, it's not about money, though, is it? No, At no. And that's, uh, yeah. And it's like a, you know, a lot of respect to him there for putting his own self-preservation at heart in front of, you know, just selling out and, you know, jumping around and doing what he had to do in order to make that money. So he... Um, so this he, is the heartfelt content section, folks. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's will, a lot, there's a there lot will be humour and comedy coming anytime yes, soon. There is a lot more to this story that I'm leaving out, but I'm trying to give the condensed version. But anyway, he came... Uh, he's come back now. He's doing live shows and he came to Sydney and all the shows... Like, and you like saw that. him? Yes, live? I did. Yes, Did live. you touch him? No, I didn't. Was he sweaty? Uh, he, he may have. No, he was pretty. He was pretty. Um, he was pretty laid back on stage. Every show sold out like that, and I was overseas when the tickets went on sale, so I missed out on everything. So I had to use my prowess in order to scam oh, this, my this, way. Is this the same prowess you used last time? What one was that? To get the Bruce Springs. Springs no, no. This, this one, um, there were no tickets for Chappelle, so I, yeah. uh, I managed to get in. Did you just call him up and say, "Dude, dude, hook me up." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, who, who's this? Yeah, it's 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 eleven year old Joel here. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I've got a pack lunch I looked in up the back phone book. Yeah. <laughs> the funny, th you know, when when I was hiring salespeople, the people who had no sales experience always sold the hardest to sell thing because they didn't know any better. Yeah, they hadn't been yeah, educated sure, yet. Sure. But that's what I thought. You know, with see, you know everything about sales. You've I studied do, oh, it all. You've done the ins and outs. I know more about selling than than I know about. Journalists and yeah. musicians, but yeah. we can we can trade and, and, stories. And comedians, great <laughs> comedians. But the thing is, when see, I've I've seen you, you know, just observation, just observing the way you deal with certain stuff with sales. But you don't feel like you're selling, and you don't feel like it doesn't feel like that you're even, you know, that that, that you have all this knowledge behind you. you seem you, you come across as seeming kind of blasé about the whole thing, but when in actual fact, you know exactly what you're doing. You know exactly where you're placing. The, the person for this sale, then yeah, it's very uh, very yes, manipulative but very good. <laughs> Probably like a poker player, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, They're sure. not going to give away all sure. their stuff. But you I'm not wearing dark but, glasses. But see, you're unassuming too, you know. People uh, underestimate. People, you know what a friend said to me? What did a friend? You? A friend. Who met you? I'm scared now. He said, you know what? He, and he's watched a lot of your stuff online and seen all of your, uh, your, um, your videos that you put up and... He um he gives you like you know big props like he, he he thinks that you know you're the real deal and everything, and he met you and afterwards he said to me you know what I was surprised when I met James, he's got such soft eyes. <laughs> he said there's, there's a real there's this real gentleness to him there, and I thought wow you got him fooled. Ah uh, well you know <laughs> no, but it's, on a but, serious note like yeah. looking people directly in the eye is actually really hard for a lot of salespeople because they yeah. they. Feel shifty and dirty. Yeah. So it, it um, it's like a, like an old tribal thing in Africa when they bump into each other, and then when they're crossing the plains, they stop, mm. they look at each other in the eye, and one says, "I see you," and the other one says, "I see you too," and then they move on. Mm -hmm. They don't even shake hands, but it's an eye handshake. Sure. The eye shake. Sure. What would you call that? 
Um, eye to eye. Yeah, seeing eye to eye. Seeing into your soul or whatever. Yeah. So I, I, I'm on board with that. Yeah. You can thank your mysterious friend yes. whose name starts with C. <laughs> uh, now, uh, I think we should wrap up soon, but before we do that, I want to tell you about Bob. Tell me. You know my mate Bob, the cockatoo, who comes by? Yeah, yeah. Well, the other day he was screaming out the front, like absolutely howling, and I went out to see what all the commotion was, and he's he's just going mental at Buddha, who sits on the corner yeah. of, the, you know, who's just like watching guard, and he, he has a real issue with Buddha. Because at about the same time that, that Buddha came to the balcony, we were issued a requirement of the, the building in not to feed the birds. So we cut back a bit on Bob's rations, and he's associating the arrival of Buddha oh. with the cutback on the food. He's like, this dude is stealing my food. and he's, This he's, is like a reverse of Pavlov's dog. It's like Pavlov's bird. But it's like this, you know, like... Everything that Buddha means and represents is is like this is this is a hatred statue. Yeah, this. Peace and tranquility, and he's like going off it. So it's really a case of causation and correlation error, mm. which is where you think something caused something, but it didn't really. Well, I, hope, I hope I explained that correctly. Yeah, you did. But Bob is a smart bird, you know, to make that correlation, but dumb to have jumped to conclusions. <laughs> yeah, it's like, so now I've went and put a few little almonds in Buddha's lap. <laughs> so now Buddha gets lap dances. <laughs> yeah, I, I like it now. It looks like Bob's eating Buddha's nuts. Great. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's how we should finish this episode. Joel, it's been wonderful to catch up. Likewise, James. You've been listening to another episode of Kicking Back with James Shramko and Joel Osborne. Visit kickingback.com for the show notes, pictures, and join the discussion.